0: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome man. You yo, yo. Ah, now, now tuned yeah. in to Aljo, the funk master. Watch your grill. Yoga knocked out cold fast. You're talking shit. Now we talking facts. With the mountain off the back. You in trouble. Came to burst a bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a devil. This the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a desk. Right. The world doesn't know it needs, but I know the seas. Planet a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name Hadger May Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shake. Motherfucker What's up guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 143 UFC Vegas 237. 237 Wow UFC Vegas 37. Oh, holy it's in the books. Great fight, um, especially for the main event. It was a phenomenal finish and statement from Anthony the Lionheart Smith. And to do it against a guy who was surging um, as a contender like uh, Ryan Spann was no easy thing to do. But he made it look relatively easy, man. You know, that's two big wins in a row for him coming off of that John Jones loss. Um, it might be more. Yeah, three big wins. But this one taking on two prospects. I mean, Devin Clark, I couldn't really call him a prospect, but they kind of gave him that bump down since he lost the, the two in a row. Actually, um, he beat Gustafson, Then he lost to Shechera. Then he lost to Ratches. But then he got a bounce back, win over Devin Clark, took out Jimmy Crew, and now Ryan Spinn. Big win for Anthony Smith. And I would say he looked good, man. looked as, For as long as the fight lasted, very dominant. Did everything that he needed to do. Um, Span didn't really have an answer, and Anthony Smith honestly never really gave him the opportunity to get going, so it, it, it was pretty much Anthony Smith in the driver's seat the entire time, and uh, just so you guys know, I am back in Vegas, uh, Marab's Fight Week this week, UFC 266 coming up, this podcast is powered by DraftKings, so we are going to get into a little bit of uh promotion for those guys, because obviously, they're powering the podcast, so we gotta show those guys some love, um, so I'm here in Vegas. Wanted to come out a few days earlier. This is kind of my deload week. I'm going to be a little less than six weeks um, from yesterday. So I wanted to make sure I came out here, PI, a little bit earlier so I could get some work in, um, manage my body as best as I can while being able to help Marab with the physical work and trying to lose the extra weight that he's going to need to lose. And it's not even extra weight. It's just to lose the weight in general. So that's why I'm out here in Vegas right now, getting some sun. Um, So it's going to be a little bit of a lighter week. But of course, like I said, I'm still going to be doing what I call deload week. But at the same time, it's just staying busy but not going as hard. So you have more of an active rest day kind of thing. Uh, Maybe get on the bike, do a little cardio. But, you know, I want to give myself like a strong three days off so that I can just... See if that fixes everything and make sure I can continue to push after that. Having the body freshly revived and everything, just feeling fresh, feeling good. You could kind of hit that um, gas pedal again, you know? Um, so back to Anthony Smith, beautiful performance. And the way he was able to shut down Ryan Spann, the calf kicks very early on, then the takedown, landing some combination, get the rear naked show. I, I saw the tensions were flaring. I didn't think Span was really disrespectful in his shit talk. I feel like when you're going into a fight, you know what the person has done. You, you understand. You admire it. We all know we're all fighters. We all know we've all done hard work to get to where we're at, especially in the UFC. Just to get to the UFC and to get to a main event slot in the UFC doesn't come on a silver platter, not too often at least. Um, so from Span's point of view, him saying like he doesn't care what Anthony Smith has done, can be more so psychological for him to not have it in the back of his head that Smith has had all these great opportunities and fought for a world title. Ooh, ah, don't get mesmerized by the moment. That could be his way of saying, like, nah, man, I'm here. It's my turn. It's my time. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not talking shit, if you ask me. I, I get where Anthony Smith is coming from because he felt like it came off disrespectful, but I don't know how many different ways or tones you can say that in and not make it sound like you're, uh, I don't want to say brushing them off, but at the same time not make it sound like you're downplaying what they've done. I, 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 it's, it's a hard situation. I don't think Anthony Smith was wrong. I don't think Ryan Spann was wrong. It's a fist fight. People are going to say what they got to say to get themselves into the right mental space and, um, yeah, right mental space to to go to battle, you know? He did talk about family. He didn't talk about religion. He didn't talk about money in his. Po- he didn't, you know, he didn't say anything that was like disrespectful or. All those fights were trash. Anthony Smith, you sucked in those performances. It wasn't like that. It was just I don't care what he's done, you know. It's it's a diff- it's a different fight. It's a different moment. You now you have me in front of you. That's a f- that's a fact. That's not. Nothing- <laughs> I'm sorry about the high pitched voice, but there is there is nothing wrong with that at all. But. I get it on both sides of the token, so it is what it is, um, tempers flared, flared, and Ryan Span, humbled in defeat, got up, made sure he got over there and apologized or whatever it was that he said, it showed some love, showed some grace, even though you had another guy talking shit, it could have easily been like, yo, fuck you too, man, like, you know, it could have easily gone that direction, but I think Span handled it the right way. And at the end, we got to see the embracing. and We got to see the kind of the camaraderie. Not camaraderie, but the the cordial um, beef being put aside. And the fight's over. The fight's done. We're, we're on to the next already. That's, that's how this business works, man. That's how it works, baby. Um, now, the, we got the cold main event in Kutalaba. Good fight. Very dominant over Devin Clark. Uh, split up his draw. I don't know if it's broken. and it looked broken. Maybe the teeth... Just got pushed back. I don't know. It looked nasty the pictures that he posted from um the corner. Uh he continued to fight, continued to battle through. That's a hard thing to do. But adrenaline is a hell of a drug. If I do say so myself. So I don't know. That was that's a tough fight. Um Iwan looked good. He went three rounds, and I think that's what he wanted to to prove. And we saw, we heard him talk about that in the press conference and kind of just said pretty much like he wanted to show that he can go three rounds if needed. He showed good grappling. He showed good fight IQ. Uh, showed good striking as well. Might have slowed down a bit in the third where Devin Clark's mouth is hanging off his face and he's still surging forward, trying to put some hands on on Iwan uh, Kutalaba, but Kutalaba managed to get the last takedown and continue his trek with uh the grappling, the striking and just the overall dominance of the fight. It wasn't like the most exciting fight outside of like the first round. I think it was kind of crazy had some moments where it's like oh, this fight's about to be over. Ooh. But then it kind of had like a, a a plateau of just like a constant um tempo of the fight. It was never another moment where it was like Phew! Shoot up into the, into the sky again and then come back down, and where it was like a roller coaster of emotions with action. But it was good action throughout the thing, like it was constant, you know. So I hope that doesn't come off weird or sound weird, but that's, that's the way I kind of saw that fight. Um, Shayuki in first round got taken down, some early adversity, but then reverses the situation, gets up and puts the beats on, on Giago's, which was f- crazy. I was actually like jumped up, like, what? He took him down. He took this man down. Don't tell me there's about to be a crazy upset or this fight's about to get really interesting because I thought it was just going to be a super one sided thing. But Giago's got the takedown. He kind of messed up in one position where, you know, he gave up the space, but whatever. It happens. Tough dude. He was in a position where he was getting hammer fisted and punched, and there was really no opportunity or space for him to try to stand up. It just seemed like. Every time he wanted to move, he felt like the pressure from the shots from Sharyukin was just landing too too brutally, where it's like, nah, man, I'm good. Um, those are those are those tough positions, man, where people kind of just sit down and 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 wait and kind of just hang out, waiting for the ref at that moment. Like, hey man, I took a couple of unanswered shots. I'm not saying that's what Giagos um Giagos was trying to do, trying to bow out. I'm just saying in that position, you can't fault a man for uh not battling through a tough spot like that because that was really really tough for him to deal with and uh yeah, sorry i'm yawning i had a really crazy morning i slept in i went to bed really early like before nine o'clock last night and then i woke up in the morning like 4 30 and then i tried to go back to bed and i was like in and out of sleep my my aura ring said i slept for like eight and eight almost nine hours but most of that last three hours, I felt like I was kind of in and out of sleep, and I didn't really get to sleep, so um, I don't know. That's just how I felt, but yeah, that, that fight with again, really good, impressive performance, and now I think they got to really like, give him a bigger step up in that division. I think, I think he's passed all the tests that he needs to pass. Obviously, the fight that he was supposed to have that got canceled against Nasrat, that one got, um, fell through. But he took on another prospect, and I, I don't want to call Giago as a prospect because he's been around the block for a bit now. He beat another veteran who was on a two fight win streak, and he looked good and very dominant doing it. So I'm excited to see what's next up for Sharukin. show you again. Now, this next one Nate Maness versus Tony Gravely. Ridiculous fight. Um, Here's one, op- one of those guys you see in the back room, the shadow boxing, and, and looks kind of weird, looks kind of funky. That's Nate Manis, the Mayhem. <laughs> So we're watching that and we see him in the back room, we're like, what is that shadow boxing? It looked very like robotic. And then he comes out, but he's them things. He looked good. I'm like, maybe just some people just don't look good hitting pads. They just don't look good uh, shadow boxing. But when they get out there, they can they can fight, they can scrap. We were saying like, ah, oh, he's leaving his chin up. And he's kind of like shadow boxing in a weird way. It just looked awkward. It didn't look like he was just like being lazy about it. It looked like he was being dead serious. And that's how he really shadow boxed. So we were just like concerned, concerned. But then I also said his, his record was 13 and one. So obviously the guy knows what he's doing. Uh, he gets in there with Gravely. Fun fight back and forth. Gravely looking for the Hail Mary early. I guess he's feeling himself since that knockout over um, Burchak. But to to compare a guy like Mainus versus Burchak, very different. Burchak has been knocked out by a lot of guys. And I think he's been knocked out for less. You know what I mean? So it's like, you touch that guy, you're probably gonna put him out. Where Manas has a little bit more of a chin on him. Not saying that Graving doesn't have the power to knock anybody out. I just think he kind of went in feeling that that knockout vibe. It was like, you know what? Maybe I'm a striker now. Maybe I'm gonna put the beats on people now with these hands. With these hands. Nothing wrong with that. That's just how I felt about that situation. Um, tough spot because he was going for a couple of takedowns and. Maynus did a good job of, of defending, but then at the end of the first round where it got crazy, he lands a nasty right hook right on the chin, puts Maynus down, looks like he's just going like, mm, mm, mm. and you can hear him saying that as he's throwing his punches and it's just like, yo, take that, take that, take that. Kind of like bad boy, baby. uh huh, Take that, take that, baby. Take that, take that. So he's throwing his punches and he's laying those punches like that. I'm thinking the fight's about to be over the bell rings. No nonsense, Keith Peterson jumps in and says, no, we will see a second round. You didn't hurt him enough beforehand, even though he's hurt. My man sat down on his knee and said, I'm going to take a few seconds before I stand up so I don't look stupid and start stumbling all over the place. And maybe if I do that, the ref might jump in and say, nah, I think that's a TKO stoppage in between rounds, which I don't know if there's a safe by the bell rule. This is something I need to actually find out going to find out this weekend when I'm in the backroom corner. And I'm not going to ask during, like, while is right there, but I'm going to ask, you know, because I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable because you never know what people are thinking when you ask certain questions that you never asked before. I want to ask more so for myself, so I'm going to make sure I ask a couple of the refs in the back off to the side and make sure I get, like, a definitive answer. Um, Is it a real thing to get saved by the bell? Meaning, if you get in Pummel on your own, as they say, Queer Street and you're all over the place on roller skates and then the bell rings and this guy's about to tee off and you stop him from sending you to the gulag indefinitely, <laughs> indefinitely. And the ref looks at you and you're like stumbling back to your corner. Can they stop the fight or is that something that they, they give you the minute and see how you handle it, recovering and go from there? Or is there a moment where they can just look at you in between rounds and be like, nah, I think he's done. I I I think it's good to know how that situation kind of works, you know? And then second round, Nate Mannis comes out and just a few minutes into that, that second round, catches Gravely with, I think it was like a right uppercut or something, which tagged him on the chin. And then from there, he followed up with shots. Gravely was in the turtle position, couldn't see the shots coming. They were raining down. I thought it was a good stoppage. Um, they, people were a little uneasy about that because like, they felt like the fight should have been stopped in the first round. Yes and no. So I don't know. Good fight, fun fight. I don't really care. You know, I just thought it was a good one. Now, this next one was really weird. The Joaquin Buckley versus um, Arroyo. Because Arroyo was on his way to winning this fight. But guess what? Buckley comes back. He swings a haymaker in the third round. And the the right hook cups him with, like, the form. And, like, clubs him in the back of his head. Clean as day. Clear as day. I don't think there's any discrepancy about that. The shot did not land on the chin. The shot didn't land in the temple. The fist landed and wrapped around. It was in the back of the neck. So in a situation like that, it stunned him and rocked him. And that's the same kick, um, not the punch. Obviously, it was a punch. The same spot where I got hit by Zabit where he threw the roundhouse kick, the 360 roundhouse kick, and I closed my eyes and ducked my head, and the kick wrapped around. The shit hit me in the back of my neck. Devastating. I saw like a, I got a buzz, like, bzzz-ing. that's how it felt in my head. And then my eyes went, tss-ing. like, it was almost shaky, my vision, like, like buzzing. It was like, bzz-ing. and then I go down in slow motion and I wave off, like, boom. I'm like glassy eye. I felt glassy eye because it's like where you're looking at something, but you're not really looking at anything. You're kind of gone. You know when you catch someone kind of in deep thought and they just make these awkward faces and you're like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, my bad my bad, my bad, my bad, I was just thinking about something, like that, that's how I felt, I felt like I was there, but not there, I could see him, I know that he stopped, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what that reminded me of, he kind of looked paused in action, and then from there, Joaquin Buckley just followed up and put him out, and I was like, man, that kind of sucks, because he was on his way to winning that fight, pretty candidly, but Joaquin never stopped fighting, I just think he's a little undersized for that weight class, but Kudos to him to just find a way connecting with something. I don't know what happens in a situation like that. Can they stop the fight? Can they overturn the fight? I, I remember Herb Dean saying it to somebody else earlier that night. Um, hey, be careful over your shots because he was throwing a punch that landed in the back of the head as well from the standing, from us in the neutral position. And he threw a punch and it wrapped around and clubbed him in the back of the head. And Dean said, Herb Dean of all people, say, hey, watch your shots. Herb? Really? So I'm kind of wondering, in a situation like that, is there an argument to be made? Uh, I think so, but who knows what's going to really, really happen. So I don't know. Uh, The other ones were really good, but I I didn't really get to watch too many of them in in its entirety because this was a long fight card. A couple of uh, honorable mentions. Carlson Harris, he looked really good. Gustavo Lopez and Alatang had a had a good fight. I think Gustavo could have did a little bit more to push the action. I think it was a lot of feints and not really going for it. But when he commits, man, he commits and he hits hard, man. Um, that fight ended up in a draw, unanimous draw. Um, Emily Whitmire versus Hannah Goldie. Whitmire, the one position I was saying from last week's podcast, and she ends up in a position where she leaves her arm in. Goldie does a great job of trapping the arm. Um, she was in a bad position a couple of times, but she kept f- fishing for that armbar, and eventually she got success, and she was able to get the, the submission. Emily Whitmire should have pushed down and stacked Goldie, and tried to inch her arm out a little by little, and try to just keep the pressure on the hips so that Goldie couldn't extend the hips and put more pressure. And by extending the arm and putting more hip pressure on that arm, that arm joint. Right by the elbow, uh, to get the armbar tap. you know so uh, it was a nasty it was a nasty armbar, nasty verbal. I just think once you try to stand up, a lot of people think it, it, that's like a hit or a miss because if you do get out, sometimes the pressure slides from underneath the elbow to the forearm, and I've se- you know you've seen people snap their forearm, you know, just with a good amount of hip pressure and really locking down on that arm, on that wrist control. you know, you, some bad things can happen. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield looked really good. Uh, Montel Jackson looked really good over J.P. Jer- Byes. And this kid, wrong, beat Brandon Jenkins and looked phenomenal. Very young kid from uh, China. I'm not sure if he's over at the um, Shanghai facility. He's only 21. Brandon was, uh, was about like, 27 or 29, 29. And for him to get a, a win over a guy that much older and the way he did it, it was a methodical I hate to say it, but it was a methodical beatdown. Like, he looked good. Jenkins looked good in the first round, and then after that, it just seemed like he, he kind of fell back too far with the striking, um, the tally of the striking from wrong. So it was, it was a tough one for him to come back from. Raquel Pennington, she looked good. Uh, I wasn't sure which way that fight was going to go because it was a lot of, like, back and forth. I felt like the moments where they were clinching in the open and Kenzie had um, was able to, to, to land those knees up the middle. I thought it looked very dangerous. It looked like she was gonna have um uh, Pennington some trouble. But Pennington was able to weather the storm and get the, the uh the decision win. Um so that's the fight card for UFC Vegas 37. Uh and that's gonna lead us into this week's card UFC. 266. I know Bellator just had their 266 card, which is pretty interesting that the the numbers are that close. So here we go. DraftKings, everybody. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off another action-packed week. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. You don't. You don't want to miss this, guys. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and place a bet of $1 on any week one game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbooks is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. So go check those guys out. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes. Um with their first deposit easy enough so here's your call to action download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Funkmaster to receive 150 dollars in free bets when you place a dollar bet on any football game that's promo code Funkmaster this week at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL must be 21 or older in New Jersey the OPA new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and Wager of $1 required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So go check those guys out, guys. Go check them out. So UFC 266, this is a great card. A lot of fun fights. Big card for the main event, in my personal opinion. A lot of big names and some big up-and-comers. A couple of notable standouts for me. Uh, Jonathan Pierce taking on Omar Morales. Pierce beat Kai Kamaka, ground and pound round two. Um, I know Kai Kamaka took that on short notice. He lost to Joe Lazan before that. I think that was his UFC debut. But he's taking on Omar Morales. Omar beat Shane Young and before that lost to Giga Chikadze. Uh, and now he's, he beat Gabriel Benitez and he beat Hung Ma and he won on the contender series. So that's a fun fight. This Matt Smelsberger guy, I don't remember who he is. Semi, Semi the Jetty. Semi the Jetty. Semi or Semi, I don't know. But he is, he lost to Chaos Williams. Okay, decision. Okay, tough guy too. I don't really remember seeing him fight. He's fighting um, Matt Sano. Uh, We got Kyle Robeson taking on Maximov, And we have Uros Medic taking on Jalen Turner. Medic, a guy that I'm very high on. I thought he had a really good fight um, against Alon Cruz. Fly knee, knockout really uh, at 1 minute 40 seconds of the first round. Kind of crazy. And then Mikey Gonzalez, round one, 2 minutes and 12 seconds on the clock. Kicks to a ground-to-pound finish. So, Medic is not playing around. Um, he's only 28. And let me see. He's finished everybody. So he's got a 100% finishing rate, taking on Jalen Turner, a very, very tall guy, the tarantula I believe, who fought our guy, Matt Favola. Matt beat him by out-grappling him, beat him by decision. He beat Calaboa, and he beat Brock Weaver. So, fun fight. So let's get let's started from the beginning. The main event, um, Volkanovski defending his belt against Brian Ortega. I'm very, very undecisive on this one. There's just so much to... To consider, Brian Ortega looked phenomenal in his fight against the Korean Zombie. And we know he struggled in his title fight against Max Holloway with the striking department. So, he changes everything up, changes his team. I don't know if that boxing coach really changed him overnight. Maybe he had it in him the whole time and maybe it's just one of those nights or one of those matchups where he just couldn't get going with the striking or he didn't believe it enough to take on a guy like Max Holloway, but then he fights another good striker, plays almost a possum game, lets the zombie chase him around, counters beautifully, lands his combination, spinning back elbow, which the zombie said, I think after that in the first round, said he didn't even realize in the fifth round that the fight was about to be over. He thought it was the second round, I think, or something like that. Just lets you know how crazy these fights can be. And when you get hit with a certain strike where it can kind of just take you out of your element, out of your zone, where you don't even know where you're at anymore. So you see that, you see the change, you kind of want to say, okay, this is Brian Ortega 2.0, but is it? Is that striking affair good enough for us to go, this Ortega has what it takes to win this belt, change up the guard of the featherweight division, and have things going forward from there and whatever? I think so. I really do think so. You're probably wondering why, how or why I'm confident about that. Not that I'm confident about that. It's a fight game. Anything can happen. I just think the, the, the pace of a fight that Ortega put on uh, was really good, really methodical, took his time. And now you got the jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu side of him where that could be the game changer because Volkanovski trying to push guys against the cage, same thing he did against Aldo, better striker. Um, maybe a faster opponent. Um, So he probably got a little bit cautious about that, which is, there's no shame in that. It's Jose Aldo. Um, That was when he was at 145. Uh, Max Holloway, trying to push him against the cage, try to look for takedowns. Definitely struck with him, not saying he was afraid to strike with him, but the the path of least resistance, push him against the cage and shut him down, take away the range, beat him up in the clinch. Now, you're playing into Ortega's game. He wants you to tie him up. He wants to get an opportunity to, to... to throw legs over your arm, trap your wrists, trap your elbows, look for omoplata. look for that type of um attacks where he can get the submission or get one of his patented gee teams. Ortega is a finisher when he gets on the ground. Or if he gets you hurt. Frank Yeager, Cub Swanson, um, uh Henato uh, even Korean Zombie, I think that went a decision, but it just it just shows like when he has guys hurt, he knows how to how to put the, the paces on, on dudes, you know? So that's what's got me a bit concerned. I don't know what Ortega's, with uh, Volkanovski game plan, will be for this one. Um, I think it's just a scrap and, and see what happens. Ortega is a plus 140 and Volkanovsky is a minus 160 on the DraftKings betting site as a straight-up odds. I think it's a, a good one. I do think or, Ortega has to prove himself based on the the track record, I think Volkanovski is more proven. So it it is cool to see Vegas backing them. But I think the striking of Volkanovski, I think he's going to have a hard time getting inside of Ortega, who does a good shot. If Ortega's the one circling again, will Volkanovski look to push him against the cage? What's the game plan? You know, if he goes where... if. People are chasing him kind of like Orte- uh, Holloway was trying to do against him, push the pace against him. It gives him more opportunities to counter, bring that overhand right over the top. Uh, he's good at switch dancing. Bokonoski a, a seasoned guy, but the height difference, the reach difference, I think that could be the problem. So it's like, who's going to impose their will? I would like to see a shakeup in this division. So I would like for Ortega to win. Um, I think that opens up more rematches, more possibilities. Um, Maybe see where Yair Rodriguez fits into that. Mm. It's a tough one to call. I'm I'm undecided. I don't know who's going to win it. I don't know who's going to take this. So I'm just a little bit stuck with that. So I'm looking forward to this one for those reasons, just to have those questions answered. Uh, I think... Man, I don't know. This is just a fun fight. I think the grappling of Ortega makes the difference. What is Volkanovski's game game plan? Is it going to be calf kick? Is it going to be sitting on the outside? Is it going to be another gritty five round war? We know Ortega can hit and he can crack, but we also know Volkanovski can crack as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking to to try to put him out. Which I think anyone when we're fighting at this level, we're looking to to finish the fight. Get the hell out of there. Take your paycheck and go home to your family. I think we're all about that right now. Um, so I, I just don't know what's going to happen. This is this is a very tough one to call. Mm, very, very tough. But I had to bet, uh, I know Ortega more. Obviously, I've met Volkanovski. Seems like a very nice dude. But I'm leaning towards, the, like I said, the upset of Ortega. Now we have... Valentina Shevchenko taking on Laura Murphy. Valentina is a minus 1375 favorite. And Laura Murphy is a plus 800, which is like almost like just bet a dollar on that because it's like, why not? you are going to make as how much money? Not a dollar, but like 10 or 100. It's like, why not throw a little money on it? You know, this is according to draft books. Just, you know, that's what the odds are going to be. Um, so now, Valentina, obviously the GOAT. Her last one was a little bit closer than people might have thought. I think maybe she got a little flack for that. But I don't think she should have between Jessica Andrade and, and Damian Meyer. So it's not the last one. It's the one before that. But she dominated Jessica Andrade. That was back in uh, April. And now she's got Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy has looked good. Don't get me wrong. Tough girl. Tough woman. She's fought a lot of tough people. Beat Calderwood Split Decision. Beat some other girls, shot Karov. Um, she beat Roxanne Matafari. She's on a she beat Andrea Lee, which I was blown away by. Cause I just thought she's like really coming into her own, especially at her age. She beat Andrea Lee. She beat Borella. Last losing to Shij- uh, Shijara Eubanks. She is 38 years old. Getting her shot at the title, I think is a huge opportunity for her. And probably the last one that she's gonna ever mm-hmm. get, especially if Shevchenko continues to to hold the throne hostage you know what i mean so if she loses this one and and valentina continues to win we probably won't see laura murphy in a title shot situation again unless she could rattle off another four or five wins again and beat all the contenders all over again um like i said because of her age she's at that point where uh the ufc we just know how they operate they don't really give too many title shots to the people that are that much older especially even like the contender series like the, you don't only get a shot to even get into that show because of your age so it's um very intriguing fight not sure what's going to happen but um smart bunnies on shevchenko of course but i think morphy's a grinder man if she can get her down like Damian Maya did. I don't know how strong Damian Maya, uh, Damian Maya, Jennifer Maya is in comparison to Lauren Murphy, but if she could do the same thing and control the position, stifle the position, good things could happen. Good things could happen and maybe she can cause her to make a mistake, get on her back, but Lauren Murphy doesn't seem like a finisher. Uh, knees and punches, rear naked choke, she's got one sandwich in there, so who knows? It's a good opportunity for her and she's going to make the best of it. But I, I, I'm leaning, obviously, towards Shevchenko. Like that's, I think she's a lock for me. And I, I think most people are going to pick Shevchenko. And that's why the odds are so so big. Uh, Robbie Lotto taking on Nick Diaz. Long turn, long time in the making. 17 years in the making. Now, this is an interesting one. What does DraftKings have them at? Nick Diaz, at minus 110. Robbie Lotto, minus 110. Now, this is cool because both guys haven't fought in a while. Well, Nick obviously hasn't fought in over four years. Um, but Robbie Lawler is on a one, two, three, four fight losing skid. He hasn't won since Donald Cerrone back in 2017. That's a long time ago. His last fight was Neil Magny um, in 2020 of August. So he ha- he's had a long layoff. Uh, Robbie Lawler, I, I kind of wonder if he still has the ruthlessness in him that he used to have where he, he just goes out looking for blood <clears throat> Not saying he's going out there, not looking for blood, but I just feel like he doesn't have that um. Almost like that burning desire to to smash people the way he used to. Uh, that's the way it looks. Obviously, the way he feels and thinks is completely different and a, a, a com- entirely different thing. But we being honest. <sighs> that killer incident doesn't seem like it's there. As much as it used to be anymore he's 39 years old now um and Diaz is 38 so Diaz is actually younger you know so all that time off from Nick Diaz you know we hear the stories of him partying drinking going crazy off the um the rails if he was still training, this makes this very interesting. Does he still have the fire underneath him to put together those combinations that he did in the past? The volume staying long, talking people, telling them, what's up, homie, pop, pop, one-two down the middle. Um, Nick Diaz has kind of been flying that that Diaz Army flag uh, for the past few years. Um, obviously, he wasn't as active either, but he's fought a lot more than his brother Nick has. You know, So this is a fun one for me. As a fan of both these guys, super legends, these guys are throwbook. Though, book these guys are throw black classic guys that have been in the UFC for a very, very long time. And I think that alone warrants the respect and warrants the interest in this for just everybody because everyone wants to see what's going to happen. I want to see what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. You got both guys going towards the end of their careers, um, but they bang, they know they're known to throw down, they know to bring it, and know there's always going to be entertainment. So, sign me up. I'm going to watch the hell out of this. This is going to be a fun fight. I'm hoping that, you know, everything goes well for our fight so that I can actually go out to the crowd and watch that one live. That would be an experience like no other. To see Nick Diaz live is something I've never been able to do. And I thought I would never get the chance to because of the the whole suspension. So now that Nevada's changed the rules and everything and he's out of suspension, whatever, this makes things super interesting. And I'm, I just can't wait to see uh, Nick out there. And of course, Robbie Lawler, to see if he's still got fight in the tank. Um, like I said, it's been a long time since he's won. And Diaz has... When's the last time he won a fight? BJ Penn. And I actually just watched that fight uh, two days ago before I left to come back to um, Vegas. So that was on Saturday I watched that fight. And that was... BJ Penn was 2011. His last fight before that was Instant Silver, No Contest in 2015. So he hasn't fought in a while. So... Ring Russ, is it true? Is it not? We're going to find out. There's going to be a lot of questions that get answered in this one. Again, this is a legendary fight between two very well accomplished guys in the Strike Force, in the UFC, and in MMA as a whole, pioneers, generals, guys that people know that ring bells. Their name rings bells in the hood. It rings bells. That's all you need to know, boy. That's all you need to know. Sheesh. Now, this next one, Curtis Blades. Um, I don't know who's going to win that one. So don't ask me for a bet. Uh, I met Robbie. He's a cool-ass dude. I met Nick. Cool-ass dude. It would be just chaos to see Nick come back and win and set the world on fire. But obviously for Robbie to win, I just want to see a good fight. Like I said, legendary guys. I want to see them go out the way that they want to go out and put on a show the way they want to put on a show. That's it. Um, in vintage fashion. Now we got Jorzenio Struck taking on Curtis Blades. The odds for this, Rosenstruck is a plus 250. Curtis Blades minus 320. I think rightfully so. Curtis Blades his last fight. He's 14 and 3. <clears throat> Derek Lewis lost by uppercut, round two. Um. Uh so this is his first fight since that. Rosenstruck um beat Augusto Sakai, round one, punches, and before that lost to Ciro Gun. So fun fight, I think. Um both guys pretty tough. Rosenstruck is 33 years old. Curtis Blades, I think he's in his 30s as well. He's 30 years old. So two relatively young guys for the heavyweight division. I, I got to say Curtis Blades takes this. His striking looked phenomenal. I think the timing was just off for one second with Derrick Lewis ran face first into the uppercut. The same way I ran face first into a knee against Marlon Moraes. It happens. But if he can correct that, I think this is... A pretty easy way for him to get back in the game and um, get into the win column and right the ship. I've met Curtis Blades, funny dude, social media, everything, and in person, really cool dude. He's got Tourette's, in case people don't know. So he has a little bit of a, a stuttering problem, but super cool dude. Doesn't take away from his personality. Still funny as hell. Still a still just a cool ass guy. You know, he's just that's just that's just him. You know, so. Super nice to hang out with people like that and meet people like that, even though he's friends with Sandhagen and whatnot. So I get that side of things it is what it is. Um, next up, we have Cynthia Calvillo versus Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade minus 280. Calvillo is a plus 225. This one's an interesting one because Calvillo, they both, they, both ladies are training at the PI um, here in Vegas, um, Extreme and Syndicate. <clears throat> and just the P.I. in general and other gyms out here. Um, Hector is in some other spots, 10th Planet. Uh, Kavilla lost to Chukagan, which I was very surprised how one-sided that fight was. And then you have Jessica Andrade, who lost uh, a grappling match, lost to Valentin Shevchenko in her last one, looking to rebound and get a big win. This is very pivotal for this division right here, because if Kaviyo can get past Jessica Andrade, who's a heavy hitter, Cavillo's in the conversation for a title. But obviously she just lost to Caitlin Chukagan. So there's a potential rematch online because we know that division is not the thick, the thinnest, the thickest. <clears throat> so you start to win, you start to get log jammed at the top because of people who fought each other, people fighting for the title, long layoffs, got to recover, blah, blah, blah. Injuries. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts going on at that situation. You know, so this is a tough one. I think Calvillo's grappling is good. But I, I think she needs to make up for the strength department so she could fight a girl like Caitlyn um, in the future. Now, in the strength department of Jessica Andrade coming up from 115, Andrade, I think, used to fight at 135. So for her having the success that she had at that weight class, um, Sarah Marais, Marion Renault, Pacheco, she fought a lot of big women. <clears throat> so she was able to maintain that strength, you know, so are coming up 15, um, 10 pounds from 115 to on um, the flyweight division. Third, diff- this is the third weight class she's, she's been in now. Uh, I think it, it gives her a lot of opportunities. If I would, if I was a betting person, I would say Jessica Andrade is going to be the much stronger person, physical. Um, but the striking should go towards the size of Cavillo, I think. I think, I think that's where the, where the difference is going to be. Cavillo is 9, 2 and 1. Jessica Andrade is 21, 9 and 0. So, it's a very interesting fight. I, I don't know which way to go with that one. Uh, I know Calvillo personally. I trained with her, worked with her in grappling. I think her grappling is very good. Um, cool-ass Cali girl, Mexican Cali girl, like, just down to earth. Um, Jessica Andrade, I met her, the PI, a couple of times. They're, they're, everyone's cool people, man. Everyone's just cool people. We're all just in, this, in, the, in the sense of that we're all in this together, that we all want to fight. We all want to do things that... Everyone wants to do. We all want to be dominant fighters. We all want to win. We want to provide. So there's a there's a lot, man, you know? So I I, I don't know. I'm pulling for whoever. Uh, I know Kavia a little bit more. Hopefully she can get the job done. I think it'd be pretty cool. I know Mizuki trained a lot with Jessica Andrade. So I don't know. This is a very, very interesting fight. Now, <clears throat> we got two more fights. Mauli Marais taking on Marab, the Machine, the Let's go, Guamajos, Joss, Marab, the minus two fifty-five favorite. Mauli Marais is a plus two hundred five dog. Now let's look at these guys' track records. <clears throat> Mauli Marais from PFL. He is thirty-three years old. His last two fights were losses to Rob Font, round one. Corey Sanhagen, round two. Wheel kick. And then before that, he beat Jose Aldo by split decision. He was supposed to fight Pideon after that, but the fight got canceled for whatever reason. I think it was because of COVID. Um, yep, 2020. He lost to San Cejudo in a title opportunity. Before that, he won four fights in a row. He beat a Sunset, finished round one. Jimmy Rivera finished round two. Aljamain Sterling, oh, that's me. He beat me round one as well. And before that, he beat John Dodson by split decision. And then he lost to... <coughs> Rafael Sonsal by Split Decision as well. So he came in, a lot of hype, Split Decision, cooled the horses, won four fights in a row, fought for the title, lost the the, the, the fight, beat Jose Aldo, and then won two fights, lost two fights to top contenders, Rob Font and Corey Sanhagen, and both those fights seemed like he got tired. Um, The Sanhagen fight, I can't say he got tired, though. I just think it was perfect placement from a guy that moves like Sanhagen. Who landed the perfect shots? Said uh, his orbitals broke with I think it was a head kick that landed and cracked them. And um, from there, landed the wheel kick, put on the finishing touches. The wheel kick set the, the 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 tempo for the rest of the fight. And I think he came back too soon, trying to fight Rob Font, um trying to right the ship. Please say we see this happen all the time. I'm, I'm pretty sure after that KO, he probably went back into sparring and probably sparred a bunch. So your brain never actually, ever actually got the, t- the chance to recover. So you see th- that happen like time and time again with people. Never understand it. When I fought Marlon Moraes, he sent me to the gulag, bro. I didn't spar until the last week or last two weeks before Burt Johns, maybe three. And I told guys, I'm just going to wrestle you to death. So I didn't exchange punches with nobody. Guys were trying to punch me. I level changed, I took him down, a lot of level change, a lot of faints, hubbed the leg, that's all I'm going to do, baby, that's all I'm going to do, baby, because I don't have time to play these games, but I got to get paid, you got to be smart about it, and that gave me about four or five months in between, what was it, December 9th, so December, January 9th, February 9th, uh, March 9th, April 9th, four months. Um, And it was like April 22nd or something like that, or April something that I fought Brett John. So I gave myself four months, not taking any shots to the brain, recovering, taking some downtime, concussion tests and all that protocols. So now that's what makes this interesting. So if he hasn't fully recovered, he's been sparring hard still, I think this is a great opportunity for a guy like Marav to come through and get a finish over a tough Marlon Marais who everyone... Um, slated as one of the the next biggest things to come out, come into the bantamweight division and to come into the UFC. Um, Rob, thirty years old, <clears throat> his last win: Corey, Cody Stamen, John Dodson, Gustavo Lopez, Casey Kenny. Um, he had a, three sambo bouts. He lost in the finals, but this is Samba World Championship in 2019. Just went and said, I'm going to compete. Beat one, two, three, four guys in a row, lost in the finals, lost his fifth bout. But that's just crazy to see him even being able to do something like that. And before that, he beat Tarion Ware, and he lost to Ricky Simone. He's had a very good track record. Knocked out Rufian Stotts, um, Bellator fighter who just beat um, uh, Tiger Magomedov. So... It's, uh, Marab is coming into his own. So this is a great opportunity for him to really plant his Georgian flag and let the division know that he's here. Like, I'm not just getting decisions. I'm finishing guys now. And I think this is a great opportunity to do that, to really put that, plant that flag in the ground. Oh, yeah, he beat Brad Katona as well, another prospect that was coming off the show that people thought were going to do a lot of big things. Um, sparring with marab this is some inside information for you guys. The last few weeks have not been fun for me. Um, I don't know what it, was, what it was. I felt like I was getting better with my arm and then it kind of regressed. And I've talked about that in the podcast, came out here to get some PT work. <clears throat> and I feel like things are starting to finally go back in the right direction in terms of my strength. But I've been very, very beat up. And then sparring with him, uh, he beat me up even more. So this is a great opportunity. And of course, Marab is peaking and I'm just like pushing through where I'm having hard training sessions and my body's still trying to get back to a baseline normal, you know, so, um, there's a couple things I gotta, I gotta keep in perspective, so I don't get down on myself, like, Yo, I'm getting my ass kicked week after week, it's just not fun, not fun, you know, um, but I was just Huckleberry for this, being Marlon Marais, uh, giving him looks, and then the last week, I kind of was like, yeah, I'm getting close to my fight, I gotta start doing my own thing, but, um, this, the last week, the last two sparring sessions, yeah, Saturday was Somewhat competitive, um, but last two before that, in my opinion, I, they you know everyone's saying you did good stuff, and it's cool, but at the end of the day, for me, it just wasn't good, you know, so to see Marab on fire like that, and the way he's performing, I think only good things are going to happen for him, and I'm super excited to see what happens in this um, in this in this battle because I think it's a great opportunity um, for Marab. To, to really catapult himself um, forward. And I think it's a great opportunity for him to get a finish. That's what, that's what I really want him to get. I want him to get a finish. He gets a finish, this would be, it would be, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't have the words for it. But this would be huge for his career, to get a finish over a former title challenger and Marlon Moraes, you know? And like I said, he beat me, he beat a couple other guys. Jim uh, Rivera, a lot of tough dudes, beat Jose Aldo. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, that's the only thing that I gotta say about that matchup. Where it, it, it makes me wonder if he did the right thing and gave his brain time to recover, um, because he got really tired really fast um, against Rafa. And we know Marab doesn't get tired; he gets stronger. I think his best chances to win are in the the finals, uh, in in the final in the final in the opening. I say the fir- final, the first few minutes of the first round. um, Marlon Marais My camera died again So we're gonna wrap this up Uh, Want to talk about Dan Hooker But I don't know for some reason this battery Has been exhausting way sooner than it's supposed to It's showing that it's charging while it's on The the camera but then It it continues to die So we're gonna just wrap this up here Um, Looking forward for this fight Looking forward to UFC 266 Hopefully I get to get into attendance You know pending we have a good night Um, And uh I'll come out to the crowds, come watch the fights, and take some pictures with the fans and whatnot. So as always, man, if you guys like the podcast, you like my shit, subscribe to my shit, or it back Breakfast, baby! I'll see you guys later. As always, stay blessed, stay safe, peace. That's the show. You ain't gotta go home, but you gotta get to stepping. And remember, we bring the noise because the people want the funk. Until next time. This is the Weekly Scraps. Bye-bye.